What are your plans for your business this year? Hey, it's Tug. Do you want to expand and grow? Aren't you exhausted by going to lenders, building a relationship, and a week later, you got a new person to deal with? You have to start all over again? You don't have that with First Liberty Building and Loan. The Frost family has been helping businesses grow since the 90s, and they want to know you. Unlike big banks, they want to partner with you. The Frost family knows the patterns. They know the ebbs and flows. They know business. Get to know them at FirstLibertyGA.com. Building a building? Buying a building? Buying a franchise? Expanding? Reach out to them. Spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a fit for them and if they're a fit for you. You do that at FirstLibertyGA.com. And by the way, if you're a young banker and want to work with a team that is faith-friendly and has a culture of excellence, First Liberty might be a good match. Reach out to them today. First Liberty Building and Loan. FirstLibertyGA.com. That's FirstLibertyGA.com. Lewis Raddick now from ESPN does join us. Lewis, how are you this morning? Thank you very much for your time. Yeah, of course. I'm doing great. How are you? We're doing well, thank you. We were trying to figure out, let's just ballpark and guesstimate, how many things could go right or wrong when an NFL team makes a hire? And then three and four years from now, when we assess the hire, what's the list of things that could have gone right or wrong after you start with number one, get the quarterback right? Well, I think getting the quarterback right is just not something that's a singular thing. I mean, getting the quarterback right has a whole bunch of tentacles attached Mm -hmm. to it. And I think we do ourselves really a huge, gigantic disservice to just boil things down to these singular acts, like get the quarterback right, as if that guy doesn't need a whole bunch of other things around him to go right. And by that, I mean this. All right, so so when we were talking about Atlanta, so we, we understand that that position is something that they need to address in a big way and – probably most things aren't going to happen the way you want them to unless you have some success at that position. So moving forward, who, who does Raheem, besides picking the right quarterback, who, who's, what's the system they're going to run? Who's, the, who's going to be the play caller, and what kind of relationship will he build with this quarterback? How will this quarterback feel about the play caller? How, will, how much time will he actually devote to learning the nuance of the system and learning the ins and outs of the system? What kind of protection schemes are they going to put into place to make sure that this quarterback spends more time upright and being able to um, go through his progressions and go through his process in under 2.5 seconds to where he's not getting his head beat in? What are his wide receivers actually going to look like? How are they going to be coached? What kind of time is he going to put in with those wide receivers in the offseason? How healthy are they going to stay? What's the running game going to look like? What's Bijan going to look like next year? What's his usage going to look like? What's Tyler's usage going to look like? Defensively, how much better are they going to be next year? How much better are they going to be on third down in the red area? How many turnovers are they going to produce in order to have your young quarterback get more cracks at it so he can develop better on the field because by virtue of or by way of having more reps at it? See, all these things, and I know, like, in, in media in general, overall, and, I, and I've had a burr up my you-know-what about this lately. We want to, like, dumb it down to, did the quarterback win the game or didn't? Is the quarterback good or is he not? Do we need to reset the clock and move on with this guy or not? And it's not that simplistic. We know it's not that simplistic, but we try to talk about it that way because, you know, we're so quick to want to – Praise someone or blame someone. It's either the quarterback sucks 
or he's going to the Hall of Fame and he's getting a yellow jacket. And there's so much stuff that happens in between here that is exciting. And when you talk about what's that list going to look like of things that could, that could go wrong or could go right or, or need to go right, that we really need to kind of like step-by-step step go through those things to make sure. Because all these guys who right now who are having success at that position in the NFL, it ain't just because they're just so damn good and someone just happened to like kind of have a crystal ball and pick the right one. So okay. can I so can I give you one other thing that I think the media has fallen prey to? Let's play that game for a second. I think people want to be. The media, the f- I'm sorry, say, say that again. That the media what has fallen prey to, like this okay, idea. Yeah, sure. Okay, I think yeah. it's also could I be the first one to say this guy blows? Can I be the first one to say this guy is going to be great? Oh no, oh bro, there is no question, no question that there is a race for relevance. <laughs> there yeah. is a race to say I said it before everyone else did. Or I said the most outlandish thing that everyone now is talking about. There's no question. It has become something that has permeated this business recently to ridiculous degrees. And it's not, and, and, and it's just, it, it's weird to me. It's weird because it, it wasn't, it didn't, look, I've been in the business not very long, okay? I guess, relatively speaking, 11 years, 12 years. It wasn't always like this. It really wasn't. Lewis, and, I, and I don't know if it's a good thing, but we'll see. Lewis Riddick from ESPN joining us. And, Lewis, you know, I, I hear you talk about the first things that you mentioned when you talk about those, the list of things that can make a head coach successful. You talked about the system, the play calling, the protection. How are you going to use Bizon? How are you going to use some of the other offensive weapons that the Falcons have? So you're going to have a big press yep. conference, presumably Monday or Tuesday, introducing Raheem yep. Morris. But what yep. about the OC? It sounds to me like the next hire is going to be almost equally as important. No question. And what's cool about this one, okay, and I, and I, I, I want to be a positive dude, so I like being positive about these kind of things. So this is fun. I mean, th- this is an exciting time, and I'm, I'm sure everybody in Atlanta is very, very, very hopeful, right? Raheem has experience on both sides of the ball at the highest level, at the professional level. And coaches that have had extensive background uh, and um, exposure to both sides of the football at a high level tend to be pretty damn good coaches when it comes to staff selection, scheme strategies, tactics, player selection, player development. They tend to be pretty good because they can see it from two different perspectives. Think about some of the great ones who have been like that. I mean, Tony Dungy played quarterback, uh, moved to the defensive side of the ball as a professional, wound up being a pretty darn good coach. Bill Belichick coached all three phases, was brought up in all three phases of the game. Wound up being pretty good, I would say, with nine Super Bowl appearances and six championships. Mike Tomlin played wide receiver, moves over to the defensive side of the ball. Pretty darn good coach who's had a long, long run of success. So Raheem is going to be uniquely qualified to interview prospective offensive coordinators and quarterback coaches and wide receiver coaches because he's been on that side of the ball. He's been in those meeting rooms. He's been um, out on the field coaching with that, with that group of coaches while at the same time being the guy who's done it on the defensive side. So it would probably probably be the highest level of football education to be in that interview room when he is grilling whoever that individual is on the board and then with, then with questions about philosophical approach to the game, your philosophical beliefs towards – 
teaching players, how you like to teach players, how you like to correct players, how you like to interact with players, both on the field, outside of the building. What kind of what do you like as far as relationship building? Because it's it's all it's all important. It's all a part of it. And he has he has been exposed to so much in the league that man, if you can't have confidence right now going into it, that he will be able to get the right kind of information to make the best kind of decision for the Atlanta Falcons, then you ain't going to have confidence in anybody. But then we'll still and all... that's what's cool about this time of year. Yeah, and we'll still all cross our fingers because we believe that I hope he shows up with a, a rabbit's foot in his back pocket because health and everything <laughs> else that he doesn't control. Yeah. So you do know you... what? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So do you understand the angst that's going on in Atlanta? Because, again, I think that sometimes we forget maybe the outside world doesn't give a rip about what's going on in our town when it comes to stuff like this. The owner and Rich McKay and the uh-huh. no Terry Fontenot seat, and I do believe, by the way, Terry now is going to get a seat at the next press conference. He gets to be back at the adult table, with, and we're going to play the game of our GM and coach are going to try to work together the way it's supposed to, I think, be in the NFL. But are you aware yeah. of the angst of they took Rich McKay out of football ops on a press release? And it's the one thing universally that everybody here can agree on. Please, for the love of God, let's let that part of it end. I don't need a coach and a GM reporting to Rich McKay. It seems to be over, at least on paper. But were you aware of that was a big thing down here? I have heard rumblings. I know people who have had personal connections or potential, potential personal connections to that organization that have viewed Rich McKay's involvement as being something that was an impediment to a nice orderly organizational flow chart, so to speak, mm-hmm. and that it was not something that was very helpful. I have heard that, and I have heard others speak about that, and I don't know Rich McKay, okay? But whenever you hear about that enough times, and it starts making its way around. Look, I, I've been around long enough, and I've been in organizations long enough to know that when it seems as though not everyone has the same agenda, you are trying to win in spite of and not because of, and winning in spite of in the NFL is impossible. Hmm. It's impossible on a long-term basis. You may get lucky. You may have the ball bounce for you a few times the right way, but – as I've always said, and someone, a wise person told me this a long time ago, it's cool to have an ego. It's cool to have an ego. Every, every superstar, every high-end achiever has an ego. It ain't cool to have agendas. They will hamstring your organization quicker than anything. And hopefully, Mr. Blank has been able to streamline that process to the degree where people aren't trying to advance their agendas above and beyond what ultimately should be the number one agenda, which is winning football games. And so hopefully this new structure takes care of that. Raheem and Terry are able to strike a, a great working relationship because it ain't it just simply will not work without it. The only thing I'll say is this. A lot of times it's, it's human nature for the incumbents to protect their turf and for the newcomers to want to kind of claim new turf when you don't come in together. Right. It's not impossible. It's not impossible to kind of develop that relationship. 
But it's one of those things you have to be very, very, very upfront about and say, hey, look, any sign of that? And then the, and then the big man has to step in and make sure that he squashes that immediately. And I'm, I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just saying I'm always wary of that. And I'm hoping that's not the case here because this that city deserves a winner. And the only way you're going to get one is for Terry and Raheem to be working hand-in-hand hand and Mr. Blank being able to oversee it all. And anybody else who has any other agenda – that runs counterintuitive to that has got to go or needs to be silenced or needs to be just, you know, basically set aside because enough's enough of that stuff. Lewis Riddick, you're with us. Atlanta has been too irrelevant for too long. What are your plans for your business this year? Hey, it's Tug. Do you want to expand and grow? Aren't you exhausted by going to lenders, building a relationship, and a week later, you got a new person to deal with? You have to start all over again? You don't have that with First Liberty Building and Loan. The Frost family has been helping businesses grow since the 90s, and they want to know you. Unlike big banks, they want to partner with you. The Frost family knows the patterns. They know the ebbs and flows. They know business. Get to know them at FirstLibertyGA.com. Building a building? Buying a building? Buying a franchise? Expanding? Reach out to them. Spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a fit for them and if they're a fit for you. You do that at FirstLibertyGA.com. And by the way, if you're a young banker and want to work with a team that is faith-friendly and has a culture of excellence, First Liberty might be a good match. Reach out to them today. First Liberty Building and Loan. FirstLibertyGA.com. That's FirstLibertyGA.com. Yeah, a couple of years with the Falcons, Lewis, so you know all about this city and and, uh, and their love for the team. And you, know, you think about, uh, I know a lot of people wanted Bill Belichick. I mean, he's arguably the greatest coach of all time. He's available. Sure. He's still lucid. He's still, you know, uh, obviously has all his faculties with him. So why wouldn't you want him coaching the team? Why, why do you think it, yeah. it maybe didn't make sense here? And where, where would it make sense for him? Because it seems like his options are dwindling, at least for 2024. Yeah, I, I don't really know. I, I mean, I, it would be it's, it's pure speculation. And, and quite honestly, I mean, there's, there's enough of that crap going around, you know, as far as what, what is being said about him or how he's perceived and all. And, Listen, I mean, I think all people used to say the same thing about Nick Saban. That, and the reason why I bring these two up and connect them is because I played for them both at the same time, and I and I've watched them both evolve and change and adapt to a certain degree to how the game has changed, how people have changed, how structures have changed, how you need to interact with people differently. And look, Bill, obviously, when you have the long run of success that he has had. He clearly is going to come off in a, in a way that says, hey, look, I'm very confident in what I think needs to be done and how things need to be done. And I, I, would, I would assume that he really conveyed that, okay? I don't know if somehow, some way, you know, people determine that, hey, maybe this guy is too rigid. Maybe this guy would want too much control. Maybe this guy isn't a good fit for today's player. Maybe he's the kind of guy who won't, you know, who – who just doesn't jive with today's generation of player and won't be able to, you know, hold their attention and develop the kinds of rapport that you need to develop with today's modern day player. I don't know if they came to that conclusion. That would just be speculation on my part, but obviously there was some level of comfort that wasn't reached to where they were able to move this past the second interview and onto, you know, drawing up a contract like they did with Raheem. There's some reason why. Well, look, that part, was on his part or was on their part, I don't know what it is. But yeah. I'll tell you what, his resume speaks for itself. And for 
you know, for us to start making huge leaps right now about whether or not Bill is, is suited for today's game, I think is just absolutely asinine and ridiculous. I, th- I, I, I mean, I, I think the think one thing, is. though, Lewis, look, I think the one thing was, well, I'm not telling you would have come in with a can of spray paint and put it on the floor and say, my side, your side. He does have the right. reputation of my side That's of the building absolutely. is my side of the building. And if right. you, right, and that doesn't maybe jive with some people. I want to go through you're, some. You're right. Yeah. I want to go through some no, things. you're right. Okay. So let's go through a couple of things real quick. Explain mm-hmm. why Raheem Morris's record with Tampa Bay or even the 4-7 and seven here should or should not be taken into consideration if you're a Falcon fan today. Well, look, I, again, because I think it's, yeah, I, I mean, obviously, um, you are what your record says. You are the good old famous Bill Parcells line. So I, I get that. Okay. But unless you know, unless you can peel back, peel back the layers as to what it was that led to those records, what it was to, that led to that level of performance or that underperformance, unless you can really figure out, you know, how Raheem has changed over the years, what he has learned, how he has perfected, his staff building uh, skills, his ability to interact with players on a team-wide level skills, his ability to manage games on a different level, his ability to work with other people, namely a GM. I mean, unless you can really make a educated or form an educated opinion about that, then we're just speculating as to why it didn't work out for him the first time. And, and, and the reason why I go through all these things again is because we want to make it simple that, hey, you know what? Look at what his record was before. Why would we want to go with this guy? He didn't have success before. Well, I'll go back to Bill Belichick, okay? They ran him out of Cleveland when we were there, when we were on the cusp of doing some good things. Everyone and their mom said, told Robert Kraft, don't hire this guy in 2000. Everyone, including the ownership group in Cleveland, said he would not work. He is not suited to be an NFL coach, a head coach, at least a successful one. And Robert Kraft went against the grain because he obviously developed a level of comfort with him and and, uh, found out enough information that led him to believe, I think the guy does have a plan. I think he will learn from the mistake that he made the first time. And he went on to become the greatest coach of all time. So who's to say that Raheem Morris hasn't learned from what happened the first time that he was a head coach in Tampa and when he was interim in Atlanta to where now – having been around guys like Sean McVay, having been exposed to both the offense and defensive side of the ball to where now he's ready to take off and explode. Okay, Maybe Arthur Blank believes that's the case. Hopefully it is. It's better than not this. Tell me why I'm hearing players want to play for this guy. Why does that matter? For Raheem? Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you why. Look, I've talked to him numerous different times in production meetings getting ready for L.A. Rams games. He People want to play for him because he's a great teacher, number one, that helps players get better, meaning he's going to give you tips, pointers, technical analysis that you, that you can apply on the football field that will put you in position to make more plays, make more money, have a longer career, and players respect that first and foremost. Number two, he's a listener. He listens to the feedback that players give him to the things that he's telling them, and then he's able to then kind of adjust his teaching points so as this, to suit individual players on an individual basis and make them better. Players love that. Players love nowadays. Players have always loved to be listened to, and, but they also like to be instructed and coached because in the end, 
The only thing players give a damn about is I want to be a better player. So I want to make more money. I want to go to Pro Bowls. I want to win championships. And that's why players love Raheem. From what I have seen and what I have been told, and then what I have witnessed, not just, you know, on the practice field being out there in L.A. a couple times, but watching him actually conduct himself during games and the interaction that he has with the players during the games, the adjustments he makes, and how I've seen these players get better. That's why players like him. And he does look, and you know this. Look, there, then there's just a basic human component of things that really has nothing to do with just football, but it's, it's a life thing, okay? And it's just a basic human thing. Well, can you stand up and can you stand in a way about him that people like? Can you stand up in front of a group of men and project yourself right. as a leader, as a guy who That's is right. in it to to try to do all those things you just said? All right, Lewis. Let's finish up with this, and we do appreciate your time. At the end of the day with the cycle being every two years, 12 guys get fired, a few more left, yep. veterans left. What are you really supposed to do in terms of time frame with a coach? I'm sorry, I said, explain say yeah. that again. So what are you really supposed to do with the time frame of a coach? It seems to be two years, kick them out, three years, kick them oh, out. Oh, I got you, I got you. Yeah, I, I think – I think every time frame is different, okay? Because there, there's a lot of circumstances. There, there's no hard, fast time frame. There's a lot of circumstances that will, um, that will crop up that you don't foresee, that may elongate, you know, that that cycle, that that your your program development mm-hmm. or your program build that you didn't foresee, which leads you to hold on to a guy who may be quote unquote underperforming. And then there may be some things where you feel as though, look, you've given that everything should be moving along much quicker because there hasn't been a rash of injuries. There hasn't been a rash of maybe, you know, off the field transgressions with the players or the coaches that that would hinder you from kind of continuing to progress. And that you then just determine that, look, this this coach is not managing the coaching staff. The coaching staff is not managing the players. They're not making good play calls on the field. They're not, you know, managing the clock well. They're not managing – it's just not working. That would speed up that time frame. There's, there's so many different things. That's why I think you have to kind of, like, take it as it's going along and evaluate it as, you know, as the, as the circumstances play out. Because if you go into it with a predetermined time frame of saying, hey, look, I'm going to give this guy two years. I'm just going to give him two years. And you kind of, like, go into it with that already predetermined bias, you're not going to make a good decision. And, I, and quite honestly, I, I think, you know, a lot, of, a lot of owners then wound up looking at, you know, the progress that other, other programs have made or yeah. maybe the kind, of, um, the kind of things that other coaches say during press conferences or the kind of feelings that other coaches give, give them when they watch them coach. And they wind up making some very rash, you know, maybe uninformed well, decisions that aren't always the best. There's one right so now. You, you have to be very careful about that kind there's of There's one right now. Why are we not Detroit? I mean that's oh 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 but oh trust me you 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 know better than anybody you know how this league works now the whole thing before it was we want the Sean McVay clone we want the Sean McVay tree now everyone's going to go I want one of those yeah. I want a Dan Campbell guy yep I want a guy who's going to say some of the things he said in his initial press conference and who has those fiery speeches and lifts <laughs> a lot of weights and wears tight shirts and look you know like it's like damn man I mean maybe what you should do instead of just trying to copy what other people do, is kind of look internally and look inward and go, philosophically, what do I believe in? 
Like, what, what about this game do I believe in? And treat it like it's really a profession instead of a hobby, you know, because you have a lot of money and you, like, and you think football's cool and you just want to be involved in that the good old boys club and the 32-member good old boys club. Maybe do a little bit of work yourself about what is it that you're, that you're looking for. So I can tell you this, the people in Detroit knew exactly what they were looking for. Brad Holmes knew what he was looking for. They all knew what they were – Chris Spielman knew what they were looking for. And when Dan Campbell was hired, remember now, a lot of people laughed at his first press conference. A lot of people. And they were like, I give this a year. I give this two years. This ain't going to work. This guy's talking about biting kneecaps and all that other crap. And a lot of those same people now are acting like, I always knew a guy. I want a guy who's fiery and passionate and really connects with the players. I always knew. You know, I've always wanted that kind of guy. Bull crap. <laughs> There's so much revisionist history going on with Dan Campbell right now. It makes your stomach turn. But that's the way this business goes. Well, that's perfect, the way it goes. Perfect way to end it. Listen, we appreciate the time. I know we got you on short notice. Thank you very much. Enjoy okay. the weekend. Enjoy the games themselves. Hopefully we'll catch up maybe after the Super Bowl. Of course. All Thanks right. a lot. Thanks. Lewis Reddick joins us. What are your plans for your business this year? Hey, it's Tug. Do you want to expand and grow? Aren't you exhausted by going to lenders, building a relationship, and a week later, you got a new person to deal with? You have to start all over again? You don't have that with First Liberty Building and Loan. The Frost family has been helping businesses grow since the 90s, and they want to know you. Unlike big banks, they want to partner with you. The Frost family knows the patterns. They know the ebbs and flows. They know business. Get to know them at FirstLibertyGA.com. Building a building? Buying a building? Buying a franchise? Expanding? Reach out to them. Spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a fit for them and if they're a fit for you. You do that at FirstLibertyGA.com. And by the way, if you're a young banker and want to work with a team that is faith-friendly and has a culture of excellence, First Liberty might be a good match. Reach out to them today. First Liberty Building and Loan. FirstLibertyGA.com. That's FirstLibertyGA.com.